Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. You're listening to the Qalam Podcast. Alhamdulillah, since last Ramadan, over 4 million people have benefited from, listened to, and downloaded the Qalam Podcast. Tens of thousands of people have benefited from and learned from the various classes, intensives, and seminars that Qalam provides. And inshallah, this Ramadan will be providing even more beneficial content, lectures, and programming for people all around the world, free of any cost or charge to them. In order for us to keep doing this work, we need your support, we need your help, we need you to be our partners in this Sadaqah Jariyah. Please go to supportqalam.com. That's support, Q-A-L-A-M, supportqalam.com, and provide your most generous support. Millions of people all around the world are insha'Allah, bi'idnillah, going to benefit from all of this work, and this will be your sadaqah jariyah for the eternal life of the hereafter. We really appreciate having you as part of the Qalam team and supporting us in this work, this mission, this cause. Jazakumullahu khairan. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Bismillahi walhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Alhamdulillah. So welcome back uh, to our program here during the last 10 nights of the month of Ramadan uh, that we've been having all throughout uh, this year. We particularly are going through the text of Ibn Qudama al-Maqdisi, rahimahullahu ta'ala, a great scholar of our tradition. A text that he wrote called Al-Wasiyah, Parting Advices. And so we're going through this text and reflecting on it as parting advices for the month of Ramadan. So, inshallah, we're going to continue on as we have been uh, doing for this uh, since the last 10 nights started. Usad Abdurrahman will be joining us shortly, inshallah. And today we also have Sheikh Mikael with us, inshallah. So, the section where we left off, where I'll be starting us off from, is called Talabul Haja seeking one's needs from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And before I get into exactly what he shares here as some advices and recommendations, I wanted to kind of give some background to this particular topic of seeking and presenting one's need and desperation before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There is what we call the sunnah of Allah, sunnatullah, that Allah talks about in the Quran, وَلَن تَجِدَ لِسُنَّةِ اللَّهِ تَفَدِيلًا that you will not find there to be change and alteration in the system that Allah has put into place. And something that's very fascinating is that Allah has created this system that when we are in need, when we are facing some difficult circumstances, when we are reaching the point of desperation, then in that situation, sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He allows us to fully realize our humanity. Allah allows us to fully realize our humility. To be able to really understand and come to grips with exactly how weak 
how helpless, how frail, and how desperate we really are. And how desperately in need we are of Allah's help and Allah's mercy and Allah's benevolence and Allah's kindness and Allah's generosity. And there's so many examples of this, but I'll highlight just a couple. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran tells us about the Prophet Ibrahim alayhi salam. The Prophet Ibrahim alayhi salam lived at a time where everyone worshipped idols. Everyone worshipped idols. So much so the Quran even tells us that his own father worshipped idols. And Ibrahim alayhi salam was the sole muahid, monotheist. The sole person worshipping solely and only Allah on the entire face of the earth. Just imagine how lonely that must that can feel. But of course, Ibrahim didn't feel lonely. Why? Because Allah made Ibrahim his friend. But still, that's very daunting. That's very difficult. And in that situation, when Ibrahim grew frustrated, and he wanted to show his father and his people, what you're doing doesn't make any sense. And he, you know, the situation is detailed in the Quran that when they were going out for some kind of festival, right, and everyone was going out, Ibrahim salam stayed back with an excuse of not feeling well. And then he went into the temple and he smashed all the idols. And he left the biggest idol there and hung the axe or whatever it was around his neck. And when the people came back and they found everything was destroyed, and they said, who did this? And they said, Ibrahim. Ibrahim. Ibrahim's always talking bad about our idols. It must have been him. So they say, bring him. Let's make an example out of him. So then they start this huge fire and they say, we're going to burn him at the stake. We're going to make an example out of him. And they start this huge fire like a bonfire. But then it keeps growing and growing and growing because everyone's coming and throwing stuff into the fire as almost like an offering to their false gods. And it keeps on growing and increasing. And it gets to the point where it gets out of control. They can't even get near it. They can't control it. And they're like, okay, how do we put Ibrahim into it? We can't get close enough to push him into it. So then they construct a catapult, a device to launch him into it. And they make the device. They have Ibrahim tied up. They construct the device, they take him, they put him inside of the contraption. And not only that, but then they come there and they basically launch him into the air. And Ibrahim is flying through the air end over end, like a football. And when he's at the peak of the trajectory... And he's about to start coming down where he can see the fire. And he's coming face down, full speed into the fire. Boom. That's where time freezes. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala answers his prayers at that moment. Jibreel alayhi salam comes to him. And Ibrahim alayhi salam says, I, I only need Allah. Hasbi Allah. That very famous phrase, Allah is sufficient for me and He is the best of caretakers. And then Allah comes to His aid and His rescue. Allah says that we said, O oh fire, be cool and peaceful upon Ibrahim. 
Another example. Ka'ab bin Malik, the Quran also talks about this. The lengthiest narration in Sahih Bukhari is narrated by a companion, a young companion of the Prophet called Ka'ab bin Malik. He, he had messed up a little bit. He had not done exactly what was ideal, what he should have done. And he stayed back when the Prophet really needed him to be with the Prophet As a result of that, he was given a little bit of a consequence. He was kind of put into a period of solitude for 50 days to think and reflect and repent. And the Quran talks about it. وَعَلَى ثَلَاثَةِ الَّذِينَ خُلِفُوا حَتَّى إِذَا ضَاقَتْ عَلَيْهِمُ الْأَرْضِ بِمَا رَحُبَتْ وَظَنُّوا أَلَّا مَلْجَأَ مِنَ اللَّهِ إِلَّا إِلَيْهِ That at day 40 and 41, 42, 43, 45, it got to the point where he felt like the earth was closing in on around him. In spite of the earth being so vast, it felt like the world was shrinking around him. And he started feeling the sense of desperation that there's nowhere to go. That if Allah does not save me now, I won't survive this moment. And then right when he reaches that moment and that point of true desperation, where your soul cries out, where your soul cries, then Allah came to his aid and his rescue. The Prophet Yunus he gets frustrated with the people, he leaves. He's on a ship, gets thrown off the ship, floating around in the ocean, then gets swallowed by a whale, then finds himself inside, finds himself inside the belly of the whale, and the whale dives down into the depths of the ocean, and he realizes that he's just completely buried under layers upon layers upon layers of darkness. And then in that moment, again, from the depths of his soul, he cries out, La ilaha illa anta subhanak. Inni kuntu min That, O oh Allah, there is no one worthy of worship except for you, and you are absolutely perfect and flawless. Glory be to you. I indeed have messed up. I've made a mistake here. When Musa salam is standing with Bani Israel, the Israelites, poor, oppressed, enslaved people, at the edge of the Red Sea, the ocean is in front of them. Nowhere to go. And the army of the Pharaoh is behind them, bloodthirsty. And, inna lamudrakun, ya Musa, inna lamudrakun. We're dead. We're done. There's nowhere to go. And in that moment of desperation, fadrib ya asaka al bahra fan falak, fakana kulu firqin katawd al azim. Now in that moment of desperation, he said, My Lord will make a way from me. And his heart, his soul calls out to Allah. And then Allah says, walk into the water. And he walks until the water is at his chest. Till he can't walk no further. And then Allah says, now strike the ocean with the staff in the name of Allah. And the whole ocean splits. So much so that the, the floor of the ocean becomes dry. Becomes dry. Allah makes a way for them. So this is sunnatullah. That sometimes, and I know that it's very, it's not easy to be in that moment. And even just the thought of it is very scary. 
But we got to understand that sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala might put us in a little bit of a circumstance, a little bit of a situation. Only so that we can find Allah in those moments of difficulty. Because otherwise we're too deluded, we're too distracted. We're too, you know, intoxicated with, with material things, with our lives, with our desires, with our delusions, with, our, with everything going on with us. It's almost like we're in, in a state of intoxication, we're dazed. And that moment of test comes, desperation sets in. And that's what sobers us up spiritually, that's what sobers our soul. Our hearts, our inner selves. And in that moment we can see, we can actually see clearly. And we can think clearly. Maybe sometimes after a long time. Maybe for the first time. And that's when we are able to really truly connect with Allah. And that's when Allah comes to our aid. And He says here, وَإِذَا كَانَتْ لَكَ حَاجَةٌ إِلَى اللَّهِ تَعَالَىٰ تُرِيدُ طَلَبَهَا مِنْهُ That when... You feel that moment of desperation. You're searching for Allah. Your soul is crying out for Allah. Fatawadda. Go and make wudu. There's something so beautiful and humbling. The humility. Where you roll up your pants. You roll up your sleeves. You go and you squat down. Sit down. And then you make wudu. The Prophet used to say about these moments, that I sit like a slave sits, a servant. It humbles you. you. Roll up your sleeve, you wrinkle your clothes, right? And then you sit down and then you make wudu and you're getting your shirt all wet. And, and when you walk out of the wudu area, what do you look like? You look like you just like, you know, spin cycle. Right? <laughs> like you went for a ride in the washing machine. Right? But the humility, there's something beautiful about that humility. I'm standing there all crisp and pressed, and it's a pretentiousness. Allah wants us to see us humble. And do a good wudu. Do a good wudu. Right? And then pray two rakahs. Further humble yourself. Allahu Akbar. And then you go down into sujood. So powerful. We talked about sujood earlier. It's so powerful. You put your face, the most respectable part of your body, your identity. You put that on the ground where people have their feet. And you humble yourself. Wathni ala Allahi azza wa jal. And then you praise Allah. Because you walk around all the time praising yourself and glorifying yourself and patting yourself on the back and looking for compliments and looking for praise. And now you sit on the ground like a servant. You put your face on the ground. You beg and you grovel and you say, Oh Allah, you are mighty. You are glorious. You are great. I am nothing. And then you send peace and blessings upon the Prophet The man who did so much for us. More than we can ever thank him for. You appreciate all of his sacrifice. And then you say, La ilaha illallahul halimul karim. That 
there's no one worthy of worship except for Allah who is al-halim forbearing forbearing means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tolerates us that oh Allah I have been so arrogant so stubborn so headstrong so sinful so just disrespectful ungrateful up until this moment but oh Allah you did not just wipe me out of existence you did not just snatch me off the face of the earth you did not crush me walaw nasha'u latamasna ala a'yunin fastabqu as-sirata fa anna yubsirun walaw nasha'u lamasakhnahum ala makanatihim Allah says if we wanted to, we would crush you where you stand. You could not take a step forward nor a step back. We would crush you, annihilate you, obliterate you where you stand, Allah says. But Allah says, I don't. I give you another chance and another chance and another chance and another chance. So we say, Oh Allah, there's no one worthy of worship except for you. And oh Allah, you are so tolerant. And you are so gracious. Subhanallah Rabbil Arsh al All glory be to you. You are the Lord and the Master of the great mighty throne. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. And all praise is due to you, O Allah. The Lord of all the worlds. Allahumma inni as'uluka mujibati rahmatik. O Allah, I ask you to shower me with your mercy. Wa'aza'ima maghfiratik. And O Allah, Descend upon me your forgiveness. And O oh Allah, grant me the blessings of righteousness. And O oh Allah, protect me from sinfulness. Oh Allah, do not leave a single sin in my name except that you have forgiven it. Oh Allah, everything that is weighing me down, remove it from me. And whatever needs I have, as long as that they are, they are legitimate. Oh Allah, fulfill my needs for me. You are the most merciful of all of those capable of showing mercy. And this is how the Prophet ﷺ, the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, and the early generations of this ummah, this is how they would react in their moment of desperation. So this is something very beautiful and powerful he shares with us, and this is the ideal time to basically do this. We're here in the last nights of the month of Ramadan. There's probably so much that is weighing us down, so much that is heavy on our hearts, so many things that we've been carrying for so long. Utilize these moments, these nights, to basically humble yourself. I need to humble myself in these nights. That I go and I sit down and I make wudu. And then I go and I stand before Allah and I put my face on the ground in front of Allah, spread my hands before Allah, and really express my desperation and my need before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Humility is the key. It always has been. We're not perfect creatures. We weren't created to be perfect creatures. But we need to humble ourselves before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the ability to be able to humble ourselves before Him. Ameen ya Rabbil Alameen. Inshallah, I'm going to pass it on to Sheikh Mikhail. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. 
Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Wa salatu wa salam ala Sayyidina wa Nabiyyina wa Mawlana Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam Allahumma inna nasaluka hubbak wa hubba man yuhibbak wa hubba amalan yuqarribuna ila hubbak ya arhamar rahimeen The subject that we're talking about is talabul haja Talabul haja There's a narration, I can't remember, brain is foggy, ugly crying all night, all that stuff um, like you will be kings and queens. I think there's a beautiful symmetry in the language we use colloquially and realities. A lot of people run around these days calling each other queens and kings as a, as a way to like honor you, king, queen. Uh, but the true queen or king is the one that becomes a slave in the dunya. I need you to really feel that. Like, you can become a king in this dunya, but then you'll be a slave in the akhirah. Or you can become a king in the akhirah or a queen in the akhirah. Quite literally, a queen. Khayrun wa abaqa. It's better and it lasts longer. But that is only happens when you did the opposite in the dunya. And so the opposite of that is to be on the path of complete humility and slavehood. We have been trying to live independently since we were four years old, you know, our own children. Oh, I could do it, dad. You know, my, my Madia, she's like cooking omelets now because me and mom sleeping in in the morning because it's Ramadan. So Madia making omelets like, yo. And so we, we've been struggling for independence since we were how old. I can do it myself. I could do it myself. I could do it myself. And, 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 and Allah throws problems at us. Until we realize you can't do it yourself. I don't know if you get me on that, yo. With the dunya, we say we could do it ourselves. But when we're by ourselves with Allah, we just break down and say, I can't handle it, y'all, Allah. And that is where your strength lies. Your strength is in your weakness. And that is why in the belly of the fish, in the darkest moment, was Ayub's, uh, it, it was Jonah's strongest moment. That was his strength. That was his strong moment it, because he was completely dependent on God. Now, I, I want to reflect on something else, though. Talabul haja. So, like, as you go through life, your hajas change. Your hajas change. And I can't help but think about Moses. When Musa was traveling in the desert with his family, some say he had a baby, too, at the time. It's him, his, him and wifey. They're traveling through the desert. It's a cold night. He's like, yo, I need a fire to take care of my fam. And his only haja, his only need at that time, is fire or khabar, like which direction we're going, right? So that was his haja. So he went to that bush with a haja. Now, where I'm getting at is this. I'll, I'll just tell you the, 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 like, the plot like at the, the right now. All of these are excuses to realize that it wasn't what you were asking for, that you were seeking, but the one you were asking. I ain't hear me. It's not what you're asking about. Allah will place hajjahs in front of you until you realize it's not. Look, if you look back, subhanAllah, you take an eight-year-old kid. Right, an eight-year-old child, and the way they cry about 
something we look at today and we would chuckle about, oh, look what they're upset with. But are they truly suffering in that moment in their mind? Yeah. Like whatever reason may be, they're struggling, they're suffering. But that haja in our sight is, is minuscule. It's nothing because we've seen bigger needs, bigger issues. So what I'm trying to get you to see is this. Moses going for the tree, his haja was fire. I just need to stay warm. That's all I need, me and my fam. He gets to the fire, all of a sudden life changed. And I'm going to say something else here. A lot of you are 25, 32, whatever, whatever, and you think you're supposed to have life, life mapped out. And you're stressing because you don't know where you're going yet. No prophet got Nabua until 40 years old. That means they didn't know what. And they were on a path. Your job is to be on the path of God until Allah says, this is it right here. This is it. This is it. 40 years old, each prophet got their call. And you think you're going to have it at 27? What's wrong with me? I haven't figured it out. <laughs> what you trying to figure out? We're on a path to God. You're praying your salat. You're obeying your Lord. You're knocking off your check boxes, but never disobeying him. And then he drops that purpose on you. And it's like, bam, I got it now. I see my door to Jannah. But guess what? When you see it, you might get scared and run from the burning bush the way Moses did. Because it's scary. Oh, no. God's got a different plan for me. Now, think about his worry now. What is Moses' Musa's haja now when he has a new task? He goes, I don't care about fire. I got to go stand in front of Fir'aun. I can't even speak straight. I have a, I have a, 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 a speech impediment. Now, y'all, Allah, I'm scared he's going to kill me. Notice his haja change. What I'm trying to show you is the thing he was worried about last week is almost laughable. But it's not laughable because it's a way for you to get access to God. This is what I want. You may be having struggles with an exam, right? You're in, you're in whatever, college, I don't know. And it's, you just got an exam. You're stressed right now about an exam. And somebody next to you is like, oh, my God, my, my family's falling apart. And you're shy to ask God about your exam. But I'm trying to show you right now, it doesn't matter. What matters is the one you're calling. Because the prophet said call even if it's for salt. Salt. Even if you run out of salt, you ask God for it. So stop worrying that my issues are too small or whatever. Realize that it's the one you're calling that is the actual objective. And so Moses now, hold on, it doesn't end there. Musa alayhi salatu wasalam, talabul haja. His need is different. So now he's like, Ya Rab, I'm worried now. I'm actually scared. I, I need a friend. I need a friend in life to accompany me. You know, a, a lot of the brothers I met, they like, Sheikh, you making dua for me. I'm like, What you? Oh, yeah, yeah, I got you. I'm like, What you need? Mm, nope, I know just what you want. Musa needed a companion, too, for the difficulty of his journey. Don't be shy. I read one tafsir that when Zechariah, one tafsir said that when Zechariah made the dua, it says he called his Lord quietly. Some say he called quietly because he was so shy about what he was asking for. He's so old and he wants a child that he, he asked in a shy, Ya Allah, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, please, 
please, can I, please, ya Allah, please. So talabul haja is about ubudiyya. Ubudiyya. It's about being a servant, a slave. And so, again, I've been, I've been really thinking about this in my heart, that why is it so hard for me to ask Allah? And I realize it's, I've been trying to be independent for so long that I forgot how to, to be weak and stop fronting like I got it all figured out. Like, like when I'm lost and my wife's like, you know where you're going and I front? You know what I mean? I've been doing that for so long that even when I raise my hand, I'm kind of like, yeah, Allah, I got it figured out a little bit. If you want to give me a little advice, cool. No, be a servant again. Be a servant before Allah. So Moses at the bush, his haja changes. You feel me? Now he goes forward with his mission. And he finds himself, as Sheikh just explained, at this Red Sea or whatever body of water it was. <clears throat> and now, can you imagine the Moses at the sea thinking about the Moses at the bush? What I want you to see is your change. Your du'as will change in life. I'm making du'a for Qasim, my, my wife, Qasim, Karima, Maria, Ola, protect progeny. The du'as I was making 10 years ago, I was like, man. But, it's, but, but what I'm trying to show you is it doesn't matter what it is. It's Allah that matters. So don't belittle what you're calling about. Don't belittle that. So the Moses at the, at the bush, at the, uh, at the sea, is now asking Allah to help him with the enemy chasing behind. But he's got such a connection that he's able to just ask. And it's the same Moses and it's the same Allah, just a different excuse to connect. I'm going to say it again. It's the same Musa. It's the same Allah, just a different reason to connect. So the sheikh in, this, in his book, he's bringing up Talib al-Hajjah. And he's just reminding us that if we want to be kings and queens in the akhirah, Please learn to be a servant again in the dunya. Don't worry about how trivial you think your issue is. That is just the reason God has given you to call upon him. So may Allah allow us in these final days to embody the, the, the spirit of servitude. Embody the spirit of servitude. I mean, the Prophet ﷺ himself, I can't help but reflect on the battle of Badr. Badr happened in Ramadan. To me, the most, like the, the apex of Badr is in the tent when he's making dua. And he's just opening up his heart to Allah. That is what these special nights is all about. Opening your heart to Allah and asking him for whatever it is that you need. Now listen, I'm going to drop one more thing on y'all. There's this philosophical debate amongst like the old uh, Muslim philosophers. I wouldn't even say scholars of Tassawaf, but Muslims of philosophers, they used to say, oh, is it better to be patient with what God has written for you or to express your need? I want you to see a spectrum here and I'll be done. Here's the spectrum. At the far left, you have those who think they don't need Allah. They don't need God. 
I'll figure it out myself. They trying to live forever too. You see all these dudes trying to stop aging? Y'all don't follow who I follow. Okay, cool, whatever. <laughs> Maybe it's my algorithm. Got me tripping. Huberman got you thinking all types of weird stuff, yo. I know y'all watch Huberman, I already know. The brothers be all over that. Anyways, on the far left you got those, they don't need a law. They'll figure it out themselves. They never ask. We have to do this, it's up to us. And, on the, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Inna those who think they're too great to ask, too great. On the far right are those who go, I love Allah and trust Allah so much that I ain't got to ask either. The sunnah of the prophets is to ask. Right in the middle. This man, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he was promised victory, but he raised his hands so high that his, his cloak fell off, and he was imploring upon God. He was imploring, Ya Allah, if you don't give us victory, you won't be worshipped. He's imploring, we have to win, Ya Allah. What I'm trying to show you is don't be on the left where I'll figure it out myself. Humble yourself. Let go of all that. Let go. You don't know the way out of this problem. Only Allah will give you the way out of this problem. And on the right side, you know Allah so much. You so, you're so connected to Allah. Oh, Allah, I'll never be discontent and ask you for anything. Give me whatever you want. No, no, the sunnah of the prophets is to ask. It's to ask. It's to ask. So that is where we're at right now. Uh, we are in these special sacred nights. Brothers and sisters, we will look back at these nights when we sit in eternity in Jannah and we will talk about these moments. We will look back at them and say, do you remember those moments? Do you know I was sitting there and one tear dropped from my eye and that tear is a kingdom you see over there? Do you remember in that moment? Yo, you remember that talk? It was exactly this moment. The sheikh said something. I said, subhanAllah. You see that, all that over there? That's that subhanAllah right there. We will look back at these moments because they're precious. Every moment has infinite potential because whatever you do with it doesn't cease to exist. These are special moments here. Value them. Capture them with your heart. Remember them, savor them until next Ramadan comes. Value them. And then one day, as we walk through the gates of Jannah and we're looking back at the 30, 40, 60, if you're lucky, 70 years, you'll say, you remember that one day? Wow, it was worth it, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Some people will look back and say, I wish, I wish. May that not be us. May these be the nights that we truly open our vulnerability to God. May these be the nights where we show our haja, our need, haja. And I'll stop there, inshallah, so we can listen to our ustad, inshallah. Jazakallah khair. Jazakallah khairan. There's really no need for me to talk now. <laughs> and I'm, I'm totally happy with it, actually. Um, I'll just share a couple things. It's 118. I'll be done by 123, inshallah. Five minutes. I want to leave you just with some reflections on how to get into a state of feeling needy. Mm. Because that's the hardest part, isn't it? Mm. The hardest part is kind of like letting go of that false sense of like self-sustenance mm. and just understanding that you can't really do it. 
Um, and so um, Ibn Ta'Allah says very beautifully, he says, أَنْ أَرَدْتَ وُرُودَ الْمَوَاهِبِ عَلَيْكَ سَحِحْ الْفَقْرَ وَالْحَاجَاتِ لَدَيْكَ Then he quotes, إِنَّمَا الصَّدَقَاتُ لِلْفُقَرَاءِ So what's he, why is he quoting that ayah, that charity is for poor people, for those in need? Because he's saying, Allah is going to give you what you ask for if you display your need. But if you're somebody that's walking around not acting like you need anything, maybe you're not going to get the charity, right? Like charity is reserved for those who display need. But if you go up to somebody and they're like, I don't need any help, I'm good. Then you'd be like, okay, I'll, I'll go to the next person, right? So Ibn Ta'Allah, he says, he says, if you want those divine gifts that you're praying for, he says, sahih al like make your make your need like get it right like get yourself right like you need to remind yourself that you're in need and Sheikh Mikael beautifully mashallah he shared with us some of the 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 realizations that a person has when they're in need Ibn Ta'Allah actually says Sometimes in the state of need, you will accomplish like a realization with your iman that you won't actually find even in prayer and fasting. Wow, amazing. Like sometimes the fasting will give you something and the salah will give you something, but the need will like break you down. And so don't be afraid of it, I think is what I wanted to share. Don't be afraid of being vulnerable, you know, says the guy who just cried for everybody. Don't be afraid because wallahi, it's, it's one of the most beautiful things. You know, when you sit there and you're vulnerable in front of Allah, it's, it's just, it's one of those moments, it's like a special moment between you and Allah. And no one else around you matters. You know, some of the great scholars, they say, be, be alone even when you're around people. Like, can you master that? Can you be the person that's alone? Imagine you're, you're having lunch with like a friend. I know lunch is kind of a sore subject right now. Imagine you're having sahur with a friend. <laughs> you know, uh... And imagine you're sitting there and the restaurant's crowded and whatever. Like, but if you really love that person and you wanted them to know that you love them, like you would be able to focus on them totally, regardless how busy it was around you, right? So be, be able to, when you sit in the masjid or at your house or wherever on these nights, even after the prayer, like just be able to sit there and to be focused on Allah, even if there's people around you, okay? And the last thing I'll share with you, um, which is... Ibn Ta'ala answering the question of, okay, well, why does it make sense to only ask Allah? Like, you're in need. That was point number one. Number two was, don't be afraid of it, because sometimes when you acknowledge your need for Allah, it will give you an opening to Him that even your prayer and fasting may have not given you. Okay? So that's number two. Number three, he says, why does it only make sense for a person to connect to Allah with their needs? Like, don't go around asking everyone else. Right? Why? He says, He says, don't raise or don't appeal your needs to anyone else except for the one who actually brought it to you. Wow. Allah put you there, so go to him for it. Right? Why? How can someone else remove what Allah Ta'ala put there? How can anyone else help you? It doesn't make sense to go to other people, right? Then he says, "Man la yastati'u an yarfa hajatan an nafsihi, fakayfa yastati'u an yakuna laha an ghairihi rafi'an." He says, "For a person that can't even help themselves, how are they going to help you? Like everyone's got needs. Everyone has needs, 
And so if I take all of my begging and my pleading and I distribute it amongst people, and then at the end of the night, I open my hands and I have nothing to talk to Allah about because I've already vented to my friends about my divorce. I've already vented to my friends about the fact that, I'm, that my, my, my rishta didn't go well. I've already vented to my friends about the fact that I hate my job. I've already vented to my friends that my family is really, really testing me right now. I've already vented to my friends that, you get the point? If I've already vented to everybody else, I've already wasted all of that conversation that I could have saved to have with Allah. And now I've come to Allah and I'm like, well, I've already told everybody. But the difference is they can't help you. The difference is that person can't fix your marriage. That person can't fix your job. That person can't do that. But Allah can. Ibn Atta'ala is saying, if you're smart, you'll understand that sometimes venting and talking and sharing with friends is one thing. But that's why the only condition that the Prophet ﷺ put when it comes to sharing sensitive things is to do it, for some, do it with somebody, share with somebody that will actually pray for you. Because now you're both seeking from the one who can help you. Instead of you just seeking from someone and then walking away and saying, why isn't Allah fixing my problem? Well, would you feel special if someone came to you for help but they already asked everybody else? Would you feel special if someone came to you and asked you for a ride, you show up to their house and there's 37 cars in front of it? Why'd you ask me? You already asked everybody else. But if the person came to you and said what? Hey, I need a ride. And if, if I mean, if you can't do it, like I'm not going to be able to get to the airport. And you're like, Uber? They're like, no. It's not the same. <laughs> if they put all the pressure on you, what do you feel? You feel the pressure to deliver, right? Like, you'll move things around. If they come to you and say, I cannot do this without you. And you're like, there's no one else? And they're like, there's no one else. Then you say, oh, okay, like, I'll move stuff around. I'll meet you there. And you pull up, and you're the only person in front of their house for that ride to the airport. And you're like, I I'm here. And you feel that pressure because they only saved it for you. But if you pull up and there's a bunch of people outside or you hear them telling everybody, hey, can you give me a ride? Hey, can you give me a ride? Then you don't feel the pressure anymore. And as the hadith tells us, Allah likes the pressure. Allah actually feels shy, the Prophet says. He feels shy when the servant comes to him and says, oh Allah, to let the servant go away empty-handed. But there's that condition there. Don't spread it to everybody. Like keep some things between you and Allah. It's okay if you want to vent a little bit, it's fine. But for the stuff that's really getting at you, it's keeping you up at night, tossing and turning, can't sleep, don't tell everybody. Because how are you going to tell people that can't even fix themselves? We all got issues. So only raise it to Allah. Only speak to Allah. Only be vulnerable to Allah. And then when others are around you, فَصَبْرٌ جَمِيل Be patient. Realize Allah's got your back. Realize Allah will take care of you. That's how we embrace this idea of being a person who is in need of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We ask Allah ta'ala to give us all the ability to call on Him correctly and to call on Him with sincerity and to call on Him with beauty and with vulnerability. We ask Allah ta'ala to clear our hearts from all the distractions. We ask Allah ta'ala to untie our tongues and to allow us to be able to say with our tongues what's in our hearts. We ask Allah that for whatever we can't say that's in our heart, that He gives us the best of it and that He protects us from all the evil of it. We ask Allah Ta'ala that those things that we are begging for that we forget to ask, that He remembers. We ask Allah Ta'ala that those things that we can't say, that He hears. We ask Allah that those things that we can't utter, that Allah Ta'ala knows and that He grants us all of the khair in this life and the next life and protects us from the hellfire. Amin ya Rabbil Alameen. Subhanakallahum bihamdik. Nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta nasakfirik wa tubulik. Jazakum Allah khairan.